Hi, this is Mark Wiltshire. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Explore Finland radio show. This is not the start of a new series. This is something a little bit special. Uh, I've been asked to put together a, a pilot series for a new podcast called Atri Zoo podcast. Atri is a zoo in Etelapohjama, not too far from where I live in Seinejoki, and they are looking at, at ways they can they can reach a new audience and uh, they liked what I did with Explore Finland. They asked me to put something together specifically focusing on the area of Atri where there's a zoo. They have the new panda house at Atri Zoo and there's a there's a small resort growing around there. Lots of lots of things to do to pass away a a weekend or or even a week's holiday. So I've put together on the Explore Finland radio show a highlights package of the three interviews that I first recorded at Atri Zoo. Each one was about half an hour long. I've cut about 10 minutes of each together for you here today as a bit of a trailer, a bit of a teaser. Hopefully, if you're one of those people that's been saying to me they want more, then hopefully this will give you a little bit more. Uh, it's very similar format to Explore Finland, so Search for Atari Zoo podcast on your podcast player and you should find it there. Please subscribe uh, and please let me know that you're that you're listening. Let's head over now to the interviews and then at the end there'll be a few personal messages for one or two of you listening. I'm joined today by Satu Keski-Valkama, who is a tourism development project manager here at Atari Zoo. Hi Satu. Hi. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me here today. It's nice to have you. Yeah, um, about the springtime, um, well... Actually, now that we have snow pandas, we have also uh, we have bears that uh, don't uh, go asleep during the winter time. But uh, our another highlights of the zoo are the brown bears that hibernate uh, during the winter time, and uh, we have this uh, quite big happening uh, right after after the brown bears awaken from from hibernation. So and. Uh, Often we do have uh, snow when when they they wake up, so it's nice to see them playing in, in the snow and uh, and people are happy and. What what happens at this event that that when up? what what happens there? So that they they wake up, people come to see the bears having just woken up. Is there is there something going on around the the zoo at the same time? We have a, a guide a guide guides here around the zoo yeah yeah and, uh, and the guides are telling more about the the exact uh, bears but people come there especially to see yes the yes bears. yes yeah. yeah and I, I it's all over the news <laughs> the, the when, bears when, wake, when woken the, up. yeah yeah the bears are waking up yeah you mentioned snow pandas and we're going to cover this in one of the later episodes of this podcast um what is a snow panda <laughs> Yeah, um, so we have named uh, our pandas snow pandas because uh, they are the northernmost pandas in in whole Europe, and actually uh, pandas do love snow, so they they just uh, go and and make roly polies and and it's really fun to see them them enjoying their life outside. And like you said, they're they're bears that don't hibernate, so they're doing their thing. Throughout the winter, yeah, not just in springtime when yeah. the brown bears wake up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What would you recommend that yeah. somebody does in the summertime? Yeah, I would. Uh, first of all, I I would reco- recommend people to visit the zoo. It's really nice to take uh, you know walk through the 
Luftpark. Besides that, I I would maybe book a, a cottage or or rent a villa because we have a, you know several several uh, types of accommodation here avail- available actually next to the the zoo and by by the lake so so you can spend your Finnish style holiday mm. here in Ahtari all from hotel rooms to for example camping something for everyone and you mentioned about going walking around the around the zoo it's quite a big area you've got a couple of paths that go around around the zoo walking you past the the different enclosures yeah um, how far do people walk have to walk when they come to the zoo to to get around and see the all the all the animals yeah uh, the main route is three kilometers in length and then then we have also a shorter one uh, it's something like 1.2 kilometers and i think it's suitable for uh, for people with uh, small kids but but actually if you just have time so uh, with kids it's also nice to take the longer mm. route if you have for example some picnic with you so you can you can come here stay more than one day and actually really take your time and, yeah. and take a take a walk take a walk around the park yeah um, i like this idea of a of a picnic so you can bring something with you and stop at one of these picnic picnic areas yeah is it just a you know open your picnic basket and and eat from there or can you is there somewhere to to actually have a rest or yeah we have a sort of shelters there on 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 the way and they are all available for the for the customers and uh, we also have uh, wood wood there so you can make a bonfire so this in finnish is called a lava yeah it's one of my favorite one things of type. being being out yeah. in the out in the in the woods is when you come across one of these shelters and you said there's a fire firewood there yeah yeah i think this is a, such a typically finished thing that you go to a zoo and there's a place where you can actually start a fire and yeah. cook some you know cook some sausages or whatever yeah. over the over the fire yeah so about the zoo people might think that it's crowded but uh, i think this ahtari uh, zoo is more like a wildlife park sort okay. of way like it's like a safe way for you to visit finnish nature like like make a a day tour and see animals in there Yeah. More, more natural yeah. environment. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the petting farm or the petting zoo that comes kind of at the end of the of the path around the the, the main part of the zoo. And this is all domestic mm. animals. Yeah. Um, which is and it's a really charming area. There's a traditional Finnish traditional Pohjanmaa, the region that we're in now, house farmhouse from the, this region that's been moved there. And then there's the stables, and they're all kind of, you know, around the courtyard with animals in all the different, all the different stables. Yeah, yeah. And during the summertime, we have a cafe here, and also there in the petting zoo. Yeah, uh, there in the main main building. Yeah. yeah, the the red wooden one. Yeah, and also a shop with nice uh, local products and. And we mentioned the the. So, so we're, we're kind of taking a virtual walk around the around yeah. the zoo a little bit. Yeah. Um, we've come to the end of that, and we're back at the at the zoo shop and also the zoo the zoo restaurant. Yeah. Today I'm joined by 
Haini Ninimaki. Haini, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, nice to meet you. Haini is the zoological director here at Atari Zoo. Uh, one Finnish animal which is very important for us is a Finnish uh, forest reindeer. Uh, looks quite much like the regular reindeer you can see in Lapland, but actually it's not the same. Okay, how, how is it? How is it different? Uh, well, it's genetically different, of course, and it has a little bit longer legs and a little bit uh, different shape of the horns and uh, so on. And uh, uh, the the reindeers in Lapland they live usually in uh, open areas okay. at, at the, um, the small and uh, Finnish forest reindeers, as the name tells you, they live in the forest and a little bit uh, in southern areas of Finland. And uh, actually those were once uh, extinct from Finnish nature, but now some of uh, the animals has came back from Russia and we also have this project where we uh, introduce them back to the nature. And uh, this is one of the most important species conservation projects where we are involved and that's why this species is very special for us. Yeah, okay, so, so there, at one stage there were none in Finland, there were some in Russia, you brought them back. Uh, well, actually they came they by came themselves. Back themselves. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they didn't, they didn't come to all the areas they used to be, so that's what we are trying to do to increase the amount of those animals in those areas where they used to live long time ago mm. and try to make it more like it should be. What kind of numbers are there now of these, these animals? Now I have to say that I don't remember exactly, but I can check it for you. Yeah, you no, that, that, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, but the number, number is a lot better than it used to be, Yes, like 20 years ago. Yes, okay, okay. And maybe you've, you've started to answer a question that's, that's in my mind, um, which is about the role of zoos in modern in modern eras. You know, when when zoos first started, 150 years ago, maybe yeah. Victorian times from, yeah. from British history, <laughs> um, they were places where you had these exotic animals and people came and stared at the animals. Yeah. And and that that kind of that kind of zoo seems to have it seems to have a negative image nowadays. Mm, yeah. What is the role of a, a zoo in, in modern days? Yeah, exactly. I think that the role of the zoos has been uh, evolving a lot and I think it's a good thing and we should keep evolving more because uh, nowadays I think that the most important role of the zoos is to promote uh, species conservation, uh, make things that uh, keep the biodiversity as high as possible and so on. So uh, zoos can actually do it by many different ways. Uh, one important thing uh, how zoos can help species conservation is that uh, we keep like uh, an insurance population of animals. So animals that are uh, extinct or near extinct or in threatened in the nature, uh, the zoos in different parts of the world, we together keep a population of the animals uh, which can be used to help those uh, animals living in the nature. So uh, this is how we can try to avoid a situation where the whole species would disappear from the world. And uh, we can also be involved in those uh, projects where we introduce animals to nature. And 
one important thing is that zoos have an opportunity to do research with different species and those results can actually help the protection of those species in the nature. Can, can you give an example of, of that? Of research, yeah. Mm. For example, uh, many of the research that is used to protect pandas are actually made with the animals inside the zoos. So that is why we have learned a lot about their uh, breeding and uh, things that might uh, change their behavior in the nature and so on. And those uh, things can be used when uh, people plan how to protect uh, animals in their natural environments. And uh, there are many like genetic researches where we uh, try to find out that how diverse some species are uh, because of course it's not enough to have many animals we have, of course want to have also genetically diverse animals so that the species is able to survive from the changes so that is one thing that the zoos can also do actually there are so many of those that we could spend a whole day <laughs> talking about that but uh, those are a couple of examples yeah I think pandas being in captivity, being bred in captivity, mm. it's it's maybe one of the more high-profile instances of that. And whenever a panda is born yeah. in a zoo around the world, it seems to make the news headlines around the world yeah. as well. Yeah, uh, and uh, especially like 10, 20 years ago, uh, breeding pandas in the zoos was very difficult and the success was not that good. But uh, during these years and uh, with the research, we have learned so much about their behavior and uh, what kind of, of things they want and need in a zoo and in the nature that actually the results are now a lot better. So there are more being bred? Yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, uh, also, previously it was like uh, they all, always had to use artificial insemination to have a baby, or nearly always. But now that we know better how to take care of them, uh, it's getting less and less important the artificial insemination and we are able to breed them more naturally usually and that's uh, our goal also we hope that these animals will breed naturally without our interference you're learning how to get the pandas in the mood for yeah. love <laughs> yeah. okay that's yeah. a good that's that, a good that's thing. very important mm, yeah, it is yeah. it is important yeah i did i did uh, say to a colleague of mine this week that you know, if, if they want to help pandas breed, surely moving them to a cold country like Finland isn't the best way to do no, it. That is exactly one good way to do it, because they want to have the spring. They want to have the increase of the light and increase in the temperature. That's one of those things that set them into the right mood. Well, that's, that's really interesting because my colleague is from Switzerland and she said, hey, in Switzerland, after we have a, a very cold winter, the next autumn there are always lots of babies born. So maybe it's a similar, yeah, similar thing. Yeah, might be, might be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, actually, when you were talking about the um, zoos in history, when, when the main point was that people went there to just look at special animals. So still, it is kind of important thing to also, but the point is totally different than it used to be. Because one of the most important things the zoos have to do is to educate people. Tell them about uh, species conservation and how to protect environment and uh, how to save species. And what is the situation today? And that is actually even more important, I think, than uh, many of those issues we maybe talk about more. That's really interesting. So yeah. in a way, you're 
you're inspiring future generations. We try to. Yeah, yeah. that's that's very important part here, and um, that is something that pandas are very good doing it because they really help us making the point and give us more opportunities to talk about the issues that are very relevant right now. But not just relevant to the pandas, but relevant no. to the other the other animals you've got here, like the like the forest reindeer. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's and all the animals actually, and the whole nature. So panda is kind of a example species also. Uh, as you know, panda is also in the logo of VVF. Uh, the uh, World Wildlife Fund. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, panda has kind of been uh, the ambassador of uh, species conservation for decades already. And still we can use panda as an uh, example and tell people more about the situation in the world where actually many, many species are in the risk of getting extinct. So today I'm joined by Anna Palmruth. She's the head panda keeper here at Atari Zoo. Uh, Anna, thanks for joining us. Thank you. We're in the in kind of the viewing gallery yeah. uh, in this in this panda house. Like you said, there's a lot of glass around around the two enclosures. Yes. And at the moment the pandas are in two separate enclosures within the same Building. building. Yes, yes. Uh, pandas are separate because when they um, when they grow up and when they leave their mother, they will find their own territory. So they are not living in groups when they have reached the age about um, two to three years old. They start living on their own, and especially the males are quite strict about their own territory. Okay. So it's it's the same in in a lot of bears. A different kind of bears they always usually live alone when they grow up and inside these two enclosures it's it's kind of landscaped like a rocky mountainous kind of environment yes because pandas in the wild in china they live up in the mountains so pandas do not live in rainforests or or that kind of environment they live up in the mountains where it's also a, a lot of rocks and bamboo trees and forests growing and they have um, actually a lot of snow in the winter up in the mountains. So being in Finland is not a strange environment for pandas to live? No, it's actually quite a natural environment for them. The climate is quite good. Uh, pandas in the wild, they, if there comes too much snow or the temperature gets too low for the bamboo to grow, they go, they go a little bit lower on the mountainside. And during the summertime, they climb up. When it gets too hot, they go higher. When yeah. it gets too cold, they come down. Yes. Okay. In- interesting. Yes. So they and outside, you said it's the one of the larger kind of panda enclosures in a in a zoo yeah. around the world, and it's a similar kind of environment, isn't it? It's it's a slope, it's mountainous. Okay, they've got some nice wooden. Um, like, like climbing climbing frames that yes. you'd see in a, in a children's park yes. out there but there's quite a bit to, yes. to keep them entertained yes uh, pandas need a lot of climbing trees and stuff like that to for the enrichment because in the wild pandas love to climb up in the trees is that for food or for fun uh, it's uh, it's for fun because the food is found lower because okay. the bamboos are um, about two meters long or three meters so the, the species that pandas love to eat but the panda babies also climb up in the uh, up in the trees when they learn to walk they learn to climb okay. and they sleep in the trees and they wait for their mother up at the tree because they're safe there yeah, okay. 
So pandas love to sleep a little bit higher always, so that's why we need to make sure that they have enough places where they can go sleeping so that they don't have to sleep on the floor or on the ground. We've mentioned Puru twice, but in the other enclosure is Lumi. Yes. So Puru is the male and yes. Lumi is the female and she's sleeping. Yes, um, Lumi is, um, her Chinese name is Jimbabao, which means kind of a golden baby or a sweet girl or sweet baby. Uh, if we translate it and she really is like her name <laughs> she's really sweet and kind and quite shy and loves to sleep and loves to play with her toys and really girly girl yeah <laughs> but then we have Buru Huabao and her his Chinese name is uh, Chinese leopard which is actually also quite close because he's um he's really uh, like a big man and a big male and he loves to climb and he also destroys a lot of trees. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> As well as the bamboo that he's destroying for lunch, he's yes. actually quite destructive. Yes, and he loves to eat. He, he's waiting for the food all the time. <laughs> so they've got really distinctive personalities, how, really? they, how they behave. Yes, really different kind of individuals. And uh, Puro has a little bit of puberty right now, so he's already waiting for... Lumi's company because okay. they get to see each other outside. So they can see each other, but they're not. They can't get to each no, other. No, they cannot touch each other, yes. but they get to see and smell each other and communicate. So he's often found outside, waiting for Lumi and looking up to her enclosure. Oh, that's really <laughs> but, sweet. Yeah, but um, Lumi is not quite ready yet. Okay. So we'll have to wait for a year or two. So she doesn't quite understand yet what Puru wants. So <laughs> we have this kind of setup where the other one wants and knows, but the but the girl is not that interested yet. <laughs> and you've got your panda baby hospital downstairs already. Yes, yes, uh, it's a part of the contract with the Chinese Conservation Center that we have everything ready, what we need before the pandas arrive to a new zoo so that if something happens and when the babies come we have everything ready for them wow that would be exciting i can see also there's running water yes in the in the for, for drinking or just to uh, mimic the local the, the the native environment yeah it's just for mimicking and and um the pandas also love, like to drink from it but they also have the drinking uh yeah. cups there but it's mostly because up in the mountains they have a lot of small streams and pandas use it for marking their territory they use the running water because if they're up or higher in the mountains they mark their territory on the water and on the small streams so between this stream and this stream is mine yeah and when the scent goes down with the water the other pandas lower up on the mountain know that who's living upstairs (laughs) okay interesting these two here from China for is it 15 years yes agreement yes Yes, the first contract is for 15 years but usually almost all of the zoos that has pandas have continued the contract after the 15 years so it's possible for us that the pandas will stay here as long as they live and and how long do they live how you said that Puru's a teenager yeah he's now five years old right okay and how, how old can they live they can live up to 30 years okay. under human care. And in the wild, it's um, quite difficult to tell the exact 
but it's about 20 years in the wild. So. And what if they have babies? The babies also belong to China. Right, okay. Yes, and they will return to China in about two to three years old. Right, okay. And they get to go to these conservation centers. Yes. And hopefully they will get to continue this program where they send the cubs back to the nature so they get to be involved with that program. But we'll see, see what happens. And do you know how many pandas there are in the wild in China now compared to when this conservation was started? Uh, there's now a little bit under 2,000 individuals in the wild and it has been increasing during these years quite a lot. I think the most critical phase with the pandas as a species was the time when they had over just over a little bit of 1,000 okay. individuals in the wild. So the population has doubled yeah, almost. due to the yeah. due to the conservation. Yeah. I don't I don't remember the exact numbers, but mm. it has been increasing a lot, yeah. and and WWF has done a great work with with this species as well, and and the Chinese government, and they have put a lot of effort to this, and and they've started the conservation centers and started to really trying to make sure that this species stays vital. So let's let's hope that you have work looking after these pandas yes. in the in the near future. Budo is in and out constantly. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's either sitting just in front of us eating eating or he's outside running running around. So he seems very happy. Yes, and especially now when the winter is starting, when the snow comes, they love to play outside and they love to play with the snow. Really? Yes, they really do. Are they throwing snowballs at each other through the through the fence? <laughs> no, no, they don't do that. But actually, Lumi is uh, gathering the snow and making uh, big snowballs really? for herself and she carries them around and no. she brings them inside and yes. And last winter I made snowmen for them for the outdoor enclosures. Yeah. Of course they eat this, the carrot nose first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after that they usually take the head yeah. and play with it because it's like a big ball. Yeah. So yeah. they love to play with it. This is your job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they actually pay me for, yeah, they, for they doing do. the snowman. Uh, long, long, long may it last, because it seems like you're really enjoying it, and clearly they're they're thriving yeah. in in this uh, in this panda house and in this uh, in this environment. So. Yes, and I, I'm also really happy that I get to work with the conservation project, and I'm really happy that we have the pandas in Finland also for the our next generations because when they come here and they get to see the pandas and they learn about the conversation and, and they learn how to protect the environment and to protect different kind of species, I think uh, the world has a brighter future, that they would do things even better than we do now. So the pandas are, I call them ambassadors for the conservation <laughs> for the next generations because they, they have a big influence for, to the younger people and for the children when they come here and they see the pandas they see them live they don't have to watch them from youtube yeah so okay so thanks again to satu haini and anna for giving me the time for their interviews i just wanted to say a few mentions to people that are listening uh i hope this has gone some way to keeping you happy hawkon in norway uh and uh sophie in new york both of who tell me from time to time that they want more podcasts uh, sorry they haven't been as regular as you guys would like but hopefully this uh, this goes some way to helping and I also wanted to say thank you to Tapio from Sainioki 
actually Tapio's in Lapua so that makes a difference to people around here so uh, Tapio told me that when I started the Explore Finland radio show he'd never heard a podcast but because I happened to mention it to him when we spoke he's now as addicted as most of us are to listening to podcasts so uh, Tapio you're welcome. Thanks again for listening to the Explore Finland radio show. Remember to head over to the Atari Zoo podcast, subscribe to that, let me know what you think, use that hashtag Atari Zoo podcast, tag me at Explore Finland and tag the zoo at Atari Zoo. Let us all know that you found it, that you're you're listening to it and whether you like it or not. And until next time I speak to you on Explore Finland radio show, thanks for listening, bye bye.